But it was it was really good. Um, it was really good for um, for news too. Cheers. 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 Pleasure. <laughs> am I a contrarian today? What what am I today? I'm not you can sure. be a mix of everything. I think that would be perfect. We have an hour. This is Van Collar. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by a true media icon in British Columbia. Born and raised in Vancouver, a product of BCIT's broadcast communications program, she is an award-winning Canadian broadcasting icon, community leader, and busy working mom. She has volunteered thousands of hours in the community, sits on the boards for several Nonprofit organizations and advocates for the well being of children and people with disabilities. You might know her from her time as the popular news anchor at CTV. In 2015, she was awarded our province's highest honor, the Order of British Columbia. She is currently running for Member of Parliament in the riding of Vancouver Kingsway under the Liberal Party of Canada banner. She's married to rock star Dave Genn, with whom she has three beautiful children she once co-hosted live with Regis and Kelly. I haven't even scratched the surface of her illustrious resume, but let's be honest, she needs no introduction. She is Tamara Taggart. Tamara, (laughs) how are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing great, especially now that you've brought me a treat for the afternoon. Well, you know, it's a hot (laughs) afternoon, so I thought a cold drink would be good. I appreciate (laughs) that. Thanks so much. And I do appreciate you being here. And I'm going to preemptively say that I know I'm going to get a little flack for perhaps fawning over you. Oh, please. But I will say that I just... You know, politics aside, I admire Mm -hmm. your work and I admire not only your professional work in terms of your career, but all that you've done in the community. So I am a fan. I'll I'll put that out there right away so everyone knows. (laughs) But I still have a few tough questions for you. Okay. Well, I appreciate the compliments. Thank you. (laughs) I ask every politician running for office this question. Mm. Why are you running? Why is this a good idea? It's a good question and a question I think about often. <laughs> I, I would hope so, yeah. I do. I think about it all the time. And I, I uh, you know, after um, after we, Mike and I uh, departed um, our station that we were at, we, uh, we both spent an enormous amount of time thinking about what we wanted to do next. Mm-hmm. And I say we because... Uh, you know, I always refer to him as my work husband, sure. and um, we're still very good friends, and we always will be. So I think that, you know, for Mike, it was pretty clear what he wanted to do. He wanted to stay in TV, mm-hmm. and um, it, it became pretty obvious to me that I didn't want to. I wanted to do something that, I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend my entire life doing the same thing. Um, I had been there for 20 years. I'd been in radio for eight years. Mm -hmm. So I'd spent an enormous amount of my life um, in media here in Vancouver. And I, you know, once I started to really peel back the layers and and think about what I wanted to do and what's important to me, where my values are, I thought, okay, I want to make a difference. That I know. Okay, so what does that mean? I really worked through it like layer by layer. (laughs) And an opportunity, you know, presented itself where I could uh, enter politics. It mm-hmm. had not crossed my mind before. I knew that, um, 
you know, people would be like, oh, why does everybody in media go into politics? It's not true. Um, and so I knew that there would be, you know, when, when you're making big decisions, you you can't help but wonder what other people will think. Sure. And of course. that's even when you make small decisions sometimes. Yes, true. <laughs> but especially when you're making big ones and ones that, you know, strangers can observe. Mm-hmm. And and if, you know, it can be paralyzing yeah. when you think about that. So I tried not to think about that and I just, you know, once I once I really thought about it, talked about it with my husband, talked about it with our kids, uh I thought this is a good idea and it's a good idea for me because I think that I have a good voice, a strong voice. I have, um, you know, compassion and empathy. I have experience in helping others, sure. and um, and I want to do good in the world. That mm-hmm. is my purpose. Yeah. I want to do good. Uh, so it made sense to me. You already threw shade at this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. <laughs> Why do so many BC media personalities, and I'm thinking of like Jazz Johal, Steve Darling, of course, Christy Clark, why are they getting directly involved in politics? Is there like a personality type that draws people from BC media into politics? Or is that okay, me well, just being lazy and lumping all well, these people together? Well, but first of all, you name three people. That's good. It's not everybody. <laughs> Second, uh, Christy Clark was a politician before she was a radio host. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now we're down to two people. Yeah, you're just dis- dismantling <laughs> my entire premise here. Now we're down to two people. Um, I don't know why why Jazz wanted to get into um, provincial politics, and I don't know why Steve... I don't know them. I didn't work with them. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, I know who they are, and um, and I respect them both. I don't know what their reasons were. I would assume they're for the same reasons that that I'm doing it mm-hmm. because they want to make a difference. So, I mean, I I do think. Listen, I'm new to this game. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting involved. But from what I can see already, you do have to have a thick skin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you do have to have a certain kind of personality. You mm-hmm. have to be. You know, being an A-type personality, I think, is helpful. Yeah. And um, and I working in television or radio or print, I think, gives you uh, – you have to have the same qualities, actually, for both, right? For right. politics or media. You can't – it's hard to be a, you know, a wallflower when you're in media. It's hard to do. Sure. Fair enough. So, I mean, you can do it, but it's a different experience. So I think that, you know, all those media people <laughs> – <laughs> two now. We're down to two. All two of them. Purple um, Point? Is he is he an example? I, I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, it's the same thing. I think that the, I think I would like to believe that the reason that anyone gets into politics is because they they truly want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk about one of these transferable qualities in terms of having a, a thick skin. Mm. I was at your nomination announcement with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And I have to admit, I loved how vulnerable you were. I mean, you've gone through cancer, you have a child with Down syndrome, and you've actively spoken about how the conversation about people with disabilities needs to change. You were speaking about being a role model for your daughters. And at that rally, the way that you looked at your kids, the way you spoke about them with this unapologetic emotion... All that stuff in your resume in terms of the community work, for me, standing there, it kind of clicked like, oh, like that's why you're doing it 
it's not resume padding. You clearly believe in doing good and your life has shown that and it's personal for you. And I think we need a lot more personalized vulnerability in politics. So there's that balance between like a thick skin, but then also, you know, putting yourself out there. But I think, and I will admit that the risk that you take as soon as you decide to enter the political realm, and Mayor Kennedy Stewart has talked about this on on this program, is that people start to turn on you. And even though you know, I'm one of those people that thinks politicians are totally fair game for reason critique and tasteful humor. I feel like once you enter this arena, you suddenly open, open yourself up to a whole new level of nastiness and negativity. And for you as someone who I think, you know, I'm sure you've obviously had your sexist criticisms and unfair <laughs> feedback and all that stuff, but you generally are a beloved media personality. And as every politician that I've talked to has said, they experience this turn in public perception, whether it's sexism, racism, homophobia, whatever. How do you prepare for that? And and have you seen it already? You can't prepare for it Mm -hmm. because you can't prepare for the nastiness of anonymous people. Sure. (laughs) So it's impossible to do that. So I think that what you – I was fortunate or unfortunate, whichever way you want to look at it. When I was in media, uh, you know, I did. I wasn't born with a thick skin. This mm-hmm. is something that I have achieved over a long period of time. And being on television was, you know, is a battleground at times for sure mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Yeah, there's the there's nasty people that are out there watching and feel that they can, um, you know, it's their their right to reach out to you to let you know that. You know, you look fat in a certain sweater or you, your hair looks awful or whatever it is or you're just mm-hmm. stupid or you slept your way to the top or whatever it is that they've concocted in their brain. Um, when I first started, that stuff hurt my feelings because, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm a happy person. I, you know, I like to look at the glass half full. Uh, that's not to say I don't have my glass half empty days. Of course mm-hmm. I do. Uh, so I, I always want people to like me. Mm-hmm. So so I got into TV and then politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had to learn how to, you know, let go of that. Like, that's not me. That's that person. What that person is saying, that's about them. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. So once I could take myself off that road and continue on, my, my skin conti- continued to thicken up. But none of that noise bothered me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once you've had a few life experiences and, you know, I lived, I've lived a pretty public life in this city. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm, I'm very accessible and, you know, we're all vulnerable. It's just whether you want to show it or not. And I, now it's different because... I find now online, I'm just online, uh, that the nastiness is coming from anonymous sources. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's so nasty. Like, it's so nasty that you can't take it seriously. Sure, I mean, you yeah. just can't. Because, yeah. and I, so I've taken to screenshotting, you know, quite a few. Of oh, these, yeah. Do you have, you have a nice collection? It's really, it's really something else. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't like to block anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will tell you that when I was um, upset about Soji 
uh, people that were against Soji in schools and, you know, um, being really awful about um, the LGBTQ community. I, I did block quite a few people during that <clears throat> phase because w- if you are abusive, then I'm going to block you. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, especially sure. if you're um, – I can take abuse, but if you're going to be abusive towards an entire group of people, yeah. uh, I'm not going to tolerate that. So I, I just – yeah, it's been nasty, but – I'm a pretty tough cookie, and mm. so I don't – it doesn't really bother me. Sure. You know, I'd rather you say it to my face than say it over Twitter because then we can <laughs> which, talk about which it. Which rarely happen. It doesn't happen, yeah. right? And so, you know, I, I uh, when I go door knocking, everybody's really lovely. Like I have not had one – nasty person in, in no not one nasty real life. person no not at all <laughs> which is funny because most politicians say that as well they say mm-hmm. that you know there is that disparity between the online feedback loop mm-hmm. and the offline feedback loop and generally people offline are quite lovely and even if right. you know they don't want to vote for you or your party yeah they're not going to be outwardly rude. right <laughs> but i mean let's take a look at if you you take twitter as an example and you look at the way some politicians sure. tweet. Yeah. It's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's outrageous. And the same with some media people, mm-hmm. what they're what they're tweeting. Um, it's it's not just the the trolls. It's actually people you know in in office are also saying some pretty awful stuff. Like the way people talk about, you know, the prime minister or other people. Um, that we should hold in a respectful place, mm-hmm. I think is unacceptable. I would, you know, and I'm not saying that because, you know, of who the PM is or what. I'm saying no matter who the PM is, it's mm-hmm. really like, with the exception maybe of what's happening down south. You know? <laughs> that's a whole different, that's a different, but there's a perfect example of somebody, you know, the president tweeting and what he says, like, we've we've kind of lost our way mm-hmm. when it comes to kindness and respect. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's so easy to look to our southern neighbors and say that. But we have a lot of that in Canada, mm-hmm. too. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not angels in terms of our political culture, including some of our politicians. And, yes. And we need to look at that. And, uh, you, know, you know, like I said, I think. If anyone, even more than celebrities, I think politicians are totally fair game as long as it's somewhat tasteful. And I think even you can be sharp and hypercritical, but it has to be within reason. I agree. And I also think that politicians need to lighten up a bit and, you know, admit when a mistake has been made or, um, you know, if – I mean, I see some things that – some people are tweeting and saying that this happened. It's not, not there's there's a lot of lies on Twitter too. <laughs> yeah. I'm noticing, but anyways, I mean, we could talk for hours about Twitter. Well, we're not going to. No, but. I don't want to. <laughs> but you 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 understand? I mean, that stuff doesn't bother me. That's not real life. Yeah, I know what real life is. It is interesting that, uh, like, I do find it to be this balancing act, at least from an outside perspective where you do have a thick skin for a lot of things, mm-hmm. especially things like stuff that's going on online. But at the same time, it doesn't seem to have deterred you from putting yourself out there, from, like I said, showing you know unapologetic emotion right. when you're speaking Because I think that it's my responsibility, too, as a woman, uh, to encourage other women and other young women to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, why would anyone want to step up? 
(laughs) You know? I'm not kidding. Why would you want to step up and subject yourself to this garbage? Yeah. Um, And, you know, people just waiting for you to make a mistake, looking for you to make a mistake, criticizing you about absolutely everything. It's it's so... um, it's it's really um, it's a bit of a downer. Yeah. So I mean, I think that you know, if you can lead by example and show that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to put yourself out there, it's okay to take criticism and uh, not be leveled by it. Mm-hmm. It's you know that we will then attract other people into public service. Sure. You know, and that's what we need to do. We need to encourage people, not discourage people. Mm -hmm. And right now, if you were to look out there, it's pretty discouraging. I would agree with you. Yeah, I don't know why most people would want to go into politics, to be honest. That's why I always ask, you know, why are you running and why is it a good idea? Because there's everything pointing to it being a bad idea. (laughs) Well, or just exhausting, right? On every single level, emotionally, physically, mentally, like it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you have to really determine whether it's worth it. And so we need to show that it is worth it. Mm -hmm. It is worth it. Sure. In addition to your vulnerability, um, I also felt like you had inspirational enthusiasm, which I love. I love people that are happy and enthusiastic. You're even wearing a button right now that says feminist with a to-do list. Yes. (laughs) And one one thing you were very enthusiastic about was that you don't want to waste any time. Mm -mm. So I want to know, Based on that, what are your priorities for being the MP of Vancouver Kingsway? So when I when I talk about not wasting any time, I I, I refer I refer to that and I say that often to people because I, I we have a finite amount of time here on this planet, mm-hmm. and um, and life is hard. It's hard. Um, there are lots of really easy, good parts, but there are some really hard parts too. Mm -hmm. And we need to find a way to work together to make those hard times easier for other people. Because let's face it, some of us have a much easier ride through life than other people do. Sure, yeah. So that's a priority for me. Um, And, you know, going door to door and knocking... um, knocking on strangers' doors. <laughs> it's quite a trip. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not, what I'm hearing people say is they're, they are talking about really important things that are happening in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, um, it's the big picture is important, like climate. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's obviously a non-negotiable issue, mm-hmm. our climate and climate change. But when it comes to other things, people are concerned about, you know, making sure that our schools are earthquake proof and that their roads don't have potholes and that, you know, the busy trucks that are driving down the main street. And these are things that are important. How am I going to afford somewhere to live? Mm-hmm. How can I feed my kids when I can't afford anything in this city? Mm-hmm. Um, those are all real things, healthcare, you know, access to, to, um, I mean, in other parts of the country, it's different, right? Every, every area, every riding is, is very different. So for me, um, sorry, I keep, I keep, uh, leaning backwards. Oh, that's okay. I just, I'm just yeah. getting comfortable here. Ma. That's all I'm doing. Um, for me, it's, um, you know, I, when I say I don't want to waste time, I want to just get to it and I want to make a difference in the riding. I don't want to, you know, 
I don't want to be in Ottawa talking about a bunch of stuff that doesn't affect the people that are in Vancouver Kingsway. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think with Vancouver Kingsway in the in the last ten years, there hasn't really been there hasn't been anybody that's sitting at the table in government for that riding. And sure. so that's what I think that riding needs. And I believe that I can offer that. Yeah. I think that I bring a fresh perspective. I bring, um, you know real ideas. And, um, as somebody who was born and raised in the city, I, you know, I feel very strongly about how some things should be. Mm-hmm. So you, you intend to be, uh, for the lack of a better term, mm. like a localized MP in yeah. terms of you're bringing your local issues. It's not so much about a national agenda. Uh, no, but you. I mean, when you, when you, when you're with a party, of course there's a national sure. agenda, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's all of those things. And, and my, my values and my politics align Mm-hmm. with the Liberal Party, yeah. for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and, enough, you know, yeah. and I have, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a really uh, open, um, understanding person. And I, I, I can't, there's so many things that I can't tolerate, you know, uh, that are very right. And yeah. so, you know. Very right wing. Yes. Mean. Okay. And. Such as? Uh, well, woman's right to choose. Sure. Um, would be the main one, our, our climate. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, uh, very important. Those are those are two major, and immigration, you know, mm-hmm. and acceptance of others. Um, those are really important things to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, and that, that all, all three of those things come back to, you know, my core values, which are, you know, compassion, empathy, kindness, <laughs> acceptance. Like, those three things all fit into that too, right? Even mm-hmm. our climate does, like... You know, oh, absolutely! Those are, like yeah. that is a fundamental. You know, it's an emergency, mm-hmm. and I think that we're all pretty clear on it. It doesn't need to be uh, something that we argue about. There yeah. should be no argument. There should be no debate about the climate. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what's so frustrating about everything. Yeah. with regards to action on climate change, yeah. is that there's still a segment of the population that wants to have a debate about it. <laughs> yeah, and so what is that segment? You know, when you really break it down, I mean, you and I could break it down who those people are. Like, we know who those people are. It's like, we have to move past Who are those people? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but, you know, I mean, I think that, I think the majority of people understand that we have an emergency on our hands and we need to do something about it. Fair enough. And I think that the liberal government is doing something about it. And as you can see in Alberta, you know, they, I mean... The idea that some people can't handle a carbon tax when we've been paying it here for six years and we don't, you know, you you just adapt or there's, don't drive. There's some people here that can't handle it. Right? Well, I I haven't heard anybody complain about the carbon tax here in years. Sure. I haven't. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's I mean, we just... complain about the price of gas, but that doesn't have anything to do with the carbon tax. Oh, for here. sure, and I agree. I, I, I might just be again in that Twitter bubble of people complaining about. Well, this is about the it. other and problem, politi- right? And politicians complaining about the carbon yeah. tax. Politicians are always complaining about everything. <laughs> I'm going to change not... that, Mo. I'm going to change that. When you're not in power, <laughs> it's a nice luxury, right? Yes, I guess. Let's talk about the the campaign. Mm. And I want to touch on this issue, but I will preface this with. Uh, with why I'm asking this question this way. Former liberal cabinet ministers, Jody Wilson-Raybould mm. and Jane Philpott announced this week, technically last week, based on when this episode's gonna be released, but they announced that they will be running as independents in their respective writings. Now, I don't think it's necessarily fair to ask you specifically about 
that situation because technically you were not privy to Liberal caucus discussions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around ejecting them from the Liberal right. Party. But I am curious, does this issue surrounding those two former liber Liberal cabinet ministers or SNC-Lavalin, does that come up when you're door knocking, when you're on the campaign trail? Um, so I have been door knocking for um, a while now. Yeah. And right now we're going three times a week. And I have not heard one person mention it. Really? No. And hmm. not only have I not heard one person mention it, but on Monday we were door knocking. And that was the day of um, their press conference press conferences. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, today will be the day that people sure. mentioned No one mentioned it. Really? No. Wow. So. Did you uh, prep yourself or prepare yourself for that? It sounds like at least when they well, made I the announcement. Well, I thought about it. I thought, well, this will, you know, this, I'm sure this will come up. Yeah. And it didn't come up. And, you know, I've had other people ask me about it, friends and, and, um, but again, I think it's a, it's very big on Twitter. And it's mm -hmm. not so big in everyday life. Hmm. Like, are you like, are you guys sitting around on a Friday night talking about it? Because um, my friends aren't. I mean, I have a pretty nerdy crew. So, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, not that much. I think you're right there. What what I would say is, when I was at your nomination announcement rally, mm -hmm. uh, I, I was by myself, so I was kind of lurking and eavesdropping a little bit. I just wanted to get the vibe of the room because at that time, yes. this whole thing was yes. in the thick of it, right? And I was actually very surprised because a lot of people were discussing it, but they weren't discussing it in like this hyper-partisan, extreme way. Uh, it was a lot of kind of like shoulder shrugging, like, I wish this didn't happen or I wish this yeah. wasn't, you know, this didn't work out the way it did. But there didn't seem to be blame or criticism either way, which I thought, which I was very mm -hmm. surprised because I've seen, I guess they are... Liberal Party advocates being very critical and hyper-partisan on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But then when I was at your rally, which again, is just people in the constituency, people mm -hmm. who have Liberal Party memberships, everyone was talking about it. But yeah, in a very subdued, uh, disappointed yeah. way, I guess, more than like an angry or... Yeah, I think or that's opinionated way, I should say. I think say. that's a valid observation for sure. Yeah. I, I, I just yeah, I don't I don't think that I think people are kind of tired of it. You think so? Of the topic, yeah. I think that it's people want to just move on and move forward. Yeah. I do. That's the sense I get. I, I just think that if it was still a lingering issue, I would hear about it when I'm door knocking, and I haven't heard. I promise you, I have not heard anybody say it. Sure, yeah, and I I, I believe you. Um I guess it's just then not only the distinction or the separation between real life and Twitter, but then also mm. maybe a distinction between what the media and the mainstream media is, well, is talking about absolutely. And, and what's happening on and the ground you and know, what people are talking about around the dinner table. And that's interesting because I was in media for so long. Sure. <laughs> and now I'm on the other side and it is weird. Yeah. It is weird to hear people say things like, oh, well, you know, the media, like what you just said. Mm -hmm. That's weird for me to hear. Yeah. But I get it now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I never got it before. I didn't get it. Yeah. Because I was such a defender of where I worked. Of course. And what I was doing and how important it was mm -hmm. that I couldn't imagine that somebody would criticize it. 
Right. And, and that was, to be honest, that was not actually a criticism of the media. No, I know. I, no, you were totally criticizing them. And you're, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. No, I it, understand it, what you're trying to say, yeah. but do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, because I see that now. Mm-hmm. I see it from a, with a different set of eyes. Yeah. And maybe that's because, let's face it, our, our lives are edited by an algorithm. So, of course, that's all I'm seeing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, um... And that's not good. Mm-hmm. When I open up my social media and everything on it is the same topic, it's like, wait a minute here. Yeah. How come everything's the same? I'm not seeing any different sides to this. Yeah, you think the sky is falling. Exactly. Or... So you have to, you know, make a conscious effort to go in search of other points of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people don't do that, right? So you, you're just looking at your titles as you whip through Facebook or Twitter yeah. or whatever it is. So, um yeah, the the media part of it is interesting because there were, uh, you know, there were a couple of, anyways, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> it's it's interesting. So so I want to be clear. It actually was not a criticism of the media. No, I know that. I I, I because I I will concede that in a lot of ways media is taking a bet on what they think would be enticing to consume as an audience. Of course. Right? They're trying to sell a product. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they really knock it out of the park with with hitting things that are culturally important and are being discussed. Mm-hmm. And other times, you know, they they beat an issue right. to death with when it's think, not being discussed. I think the difference is gone are the days where we would just pick up the paper. So you pick up the Globe and Mail and there on the front page is this, you know, this big article on yeah. something that's happening, you know, that we should all know about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Twitter, where it is just relentless. And (laughs) not only is it relentless, but you only have a certain amount of characters that you can say something in. So it's you're only saying the best stuff that will make me or you click onto like it's all about clicking, right? Yeah. So it's it's a little bit it's it's dirtier for sure. I think because Mm -hmm. you're teasing me with some facts that maybe aren't really all there like we see it all the time yeah you know well it's interesting because uh, twitter is one of those things where you are now curating your echo chamber Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. facebook and even google like google news kind of works the same way Mm -hmm. where it sees what your habits are and then this algorithm like kicks into hyperdrive and just reinforces whatever you're into which is great in a way because you are getting content that is tailored to you but it's but it's not the same as reading dangerous yeah i do i think it's really dangerous because we're only seeing what some computer thinks that we should be seeing or that we're only interested in seeing exactly i mean i'm not kidding i i can think about a wallpaper at anthropology and then the next time i open up an article (laughs) there's the wallpaper i was just thinking about on an ad on the side i don't i'm like wow they're in my brain now it's crazy you got your phone on your table you just said wallpaper at anthropology (laughs) See what happens in a couple of days. Exactly. <laughs> Want to bring us back to, mm-hmm. to the campaign as much as I enjoy that. What is it about the Liberal Party of Canada that makes them the best fit for you? And I will also say this. They do a really good job at, like, bringing in star candidates. But for you personally, <laughs> why why are they such a good fit? Because the things that are important to them are important to me. Okay. Uh, like our climate, mm-hmm. um, our economy, jobs, um, the health and well-being of people that live in Canada, um, 
you know, we I mean, we're doing good. That's the that's the other thing. We're doing really well in mm-hmm. this country right now. But if you just if you listen to the noise, you would think that we're really in a desperate, dire situation. We're not. We have, you know, we've we've been doing really, really well with jobs, Mm -hmm. like a million jobs in the last year, new jobs. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, but we're not talking about that, right? We're not talking about the good things that um, the government's doing um, for our climate. And can we be doing better? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I I think that, you know, those are those are fundamental things for me that are important. Um and I think that when I looked at when I looked at the Liberal Party of Canada, I thought, okay, this is my values align with theirs. Um what's important to me is important to them. Mm-hmm. And this is my best opportunity to make a difference. Yeah is if I join them. And, you know, I've never joined a political party before in my life. I've never, um, you know, I've never been involved Mm. because I've been in media. Yeah. And, you know, the same will go for other people that have have done that. It's, you know, because sometimes I hear people say, oh, well, you know, she's never been interested in politics before. And now (laughs) she's like, thinks she can go into federal politics. It's like, well, I was in media. What did you want me to do? You know, I had a job that I really liked. Sure, yeah. Um, so I mean those are the those are the real simple black and white reasons why yeah. the, the things that are important to them are important to me. And and you know, the main ones being our climate, but I think that that has to go without saying. I think that, you know, um Climate change is non-negotiable, and we need to do something about it, no matter who you are. Yeah. Uh, and so, without without that, but you know, important things like infrastructure, um, healthcare, um, and and that entails all things like pharmacare and all that sort of stuff. Um, and and you know, bringing uh, making affordability, housing, sustainability. I mean, all these things that we need. It's really hard to live in this city, especially. Mm-hmm. It's hard to live everywhere right now. Everything is so expensive. And uh, we need to make it easier for people. Did the liberals approach you or did or was this something you were already looking into? Uh, someone asked me, someone in the riding asked me if I would be interested. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did you sort of mull it over? I what, did. What was your initial reaction when you, um, when the thought even came up? Did it excite you or were you like, well, no way? I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I felt the same way that I did when um, I was asked if I wanted to anchor the 6 o'clock news. Which, I was scared. Yeah. Yeah, I was scared. Fair enough. <laughs> and I, that's and when I'm scared, I say, I need to think about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did. I thought about it. And I thought about it for quite a while before I got back to them. Yeah. And you I know? like that. I think it should it should be taken under serious consideration. Absolutely, 100%. Because it's not just me. It's my my entire family's involved, of right? Of course, yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing too when when we talk about, you know, why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it for my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for all of our kids uh, mm-hmm. because I don't think it's about me anymore. And it's sure not about my mother or, you know, my mother-in-law or that generation. It's it, like that is the truth. Yeah. It's not about them anymore. It's about 
our kids and grandkids and what we're leaving them. Right. And so, you know, I tried to explain that. Um, I tried to explain that to my mom the other day. I said, you know, in the next federal election is in four years after this one. Mm-hmm. You will be 80. Sure. Think about that. Yeah. You will be 80. Your grandchildren are 8, 10, and 11. Yeah. Vote with them in mind. Yeah, don't diff- vote with yourself. Don't be so narcissistic. This isn't about you. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I hate it when when some people say that and they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't like the way that did it. It's like, shut up. Think about somebody else but yourself for once. Like, honestly, think about our kids. Think Like, no wonder kids around the world are freaking out about the climate. They should be freaking out. We should be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Look at what we've, we're leaving them with. It's a disaster. Yeah. You know, same with housing. There is no dream anymore to be, you know, to grow up in Vancouver or Burnaby or Coquitlam or Langley, wherever, and you're going to save your money and buy your first house. And Mm -hmm. that dream is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Certainly for a generation of people. A generation of people. That is gone. And we have to do something about that. It's not about us. It's not about us. Very powerful. That was, uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that example of your parent or your in-laws, mm. because yeah, there's different stakes when you're 80 versus when you're 10. <laughs> my my mom, my mother-in-law, they're fine. Yeah, they're just fine. Yeah, and they have children that will take care of them mm-hmm. when they're not fine. Um, they're fortunate and privileged, sure. you know, and so not everybody is in the same boat. And I, I worry about the next generation. I worry about what we're leaving people with. I mm-hmm. really do. And privilege takes all sorts of forms. I mm-hmm. mean, certainly a clean environment. I was talking to our engineer, uh, Terry, before he got here, and it's his first year in Canada. And I was saying, oh, I hope, you know, this summer we don't have that smoke mm. that like engulfs all of August. Right. And so, the, you know, there was a generation of people where – having a smoky month was normal and now the new normal is well every summer because of forest fires we're going to get that so even that's a certain type of privilege well and it's ha- yes absolutely and it's happening in Alberta right now mm-hmm. we're seeing that right the day that they canceled the carbon tax they yeah. had to you know close the windows so i want to get back to yes again the campaign is this election a referendum on Justin Trudeau? I mean, you've made a case for why things are, are going great and could be improved upon, but are generally going great. But it seems like he's under attack more than ever from well, all sides. He's, there's two other people that want his job. <laughs> so, of course, he's being attacked. And but those two other teams. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. You know, so you, you have to look at who's attacking him and mm. what are their motivations. So if you've got, you know, certain opinion columnists that are making, you know, I mean, everybody has a reason for doing what they do. I don't think it's a referendum on on Justin Trudeau. I think that every election is a referendum on what kind of country we want to live in. Sure. That's what every election is. And that's what this election is. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we're seeing. We get to decide what kind of a country we want to live in on October 21st. And I know that for me, um, I think that what the Liberal Party has done so far is really good. Mm-hmm. Is there more to do? Yeah, there's a lot more to do. And I think that to stop that momentum would be terrible. 
and we need to keep going and moving in a forward direction, not moving backwards. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I, I feel like any election is somewhat of a referendum on whoever the incumbent government mm-hmm. was. And especially when you have an incumbent government with a leader like Trudeau in the sense that, you know, he's out there in the media, he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. He rode in with a lot of popularity. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, I'm not saying he's not popular. I'm just saying things have changed since mm-hmm. the last election. So I do wonder how much of it is based around his personality. I would hope not as much, and I hope it's more mm. based on, you know, what the liberals' vision is moving forward I mean, versus everyone yeah. else's vision and if it's forward. if it's... If it's based on personality, I would think of the three that he would win. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> Just saying. Sure. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh man! I if love you want that. to bring it down to that, I mean, really. No, I mean, I, I wasn't, but <laughs> sure. There's two other leaders there too. You know, there's five parties in this. Well, election. okay, yeah, yes, true. <laughs> True, right. I want to talk about this money laundering inquiry in BC, just just touching yeah. on it, because the prime minister has pledged his support to it. The MP in the riding where you're yeah. hoping to represent actually endorsed the public petition before the BC government finally announced that it was going to happen. Can your constituents count on you to make sure that resources from the federal government are allocated to the BC government in this public inquiry and that information is shared openly. Absolutely. Okay. I think it's you super important. You will push important. for that? Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's super important. It's ruined it's ruined thousands and thousands of lives. Mm-hmm. For sure. Our kids won't be able to buy houses because of the mess we're in right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's 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 really important to people and and you know what? I it was It is important. I I wasn't even thinking of that question. But when I announced that I would be interviewing you, mm. I had several people reach out to me and said, make sure you ask her yeah, about Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. It's a priority. Yeah. For Good sure. to hear. Let's talk about MP Don Davies. Mm. He is immensely popular in the riding. And some people, including This Is Van Color alumnus Bob Crownbauer, who even said that, you know, he wanted you to be more involved in local politics. He saw a, a fit for you there. But he, him and others have kind of brushed off your candidacy as... So I'm trying to I'm trying to understand who? Bob who? Kronbauer? The... the <laughs> why, why do I care what Bob thinks about what my political resume should be? This goes back to what... You didn't even what, let me finish the question. Well, I don't need but. to. I don't need to let you finish because... And I didn't this, mean it in a no, I know, I know. way, but... But I do, I do, I do, it does make me upset because we just talked about this a few minutes ago, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... Wh- it feels like mansplaining. It does. Yeah. As a woman, I can't help but feel a little bit like, oh, well, these guys here think that, you know, you should have started out as a school board trustee because you really care about schools. Well, no kidding I care about schools. I've got three kids. <laughs> yeah. And I pay an enormous amount of taxes for schools. Mm-hmm. So I do care about schools. I care about education. Of course I do. But that is also a federal thing, too, education. I mean, and how our students are learning and treated and supported. Yeah. That is that is very important. So, I mean, for me, and I mean, I'm just, I'm teasing you about the, the Bob thing. I know, Of course I know who Bob is. Um, I've bought many of his T-shirts on his website. Um 
I just, I, I can't help but feel defensive about that because for me, it, I feel like it belittles who I am and the work that I've done mm-hmm. to suggest that, you know, it's, it's like putting a person in a box. Well, you actually be better over here, even though I don't know you and I know nothing about you instead of trying this first. Yeah. And again, I have, I have um, deja vu of my days of going from a weather person to a news anchor. And let me tell you, it was unbelievably stressful and horrible and awful and one of the worst periods of my life. So what were people saying then? Just out of curiosity, like, I guess... That I didn't deserve it. That I didn't work for it. That I was only a weather person. Ah, okay, gotcha. Right. So now, when I hear you say those things, I feel the same feelings I felt back then. Sure. So I had to prove myself. And I think I did a pretty good job as a news anchor. Hmm. And I think I proved a lot of people wrong. Um, But that's not my motivation. But I, you know, and I'm happy to prove myself again. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to prove myself again uh, when um, I win, and when um, you know I I um, stand up for the people in Vancouver Kingsway in Ottawa at the table. Uh, so I mean, no, I don't think that I needed to start. I'm I'm 51 years old. You don't look it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 51 years old. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me where I should start. Yeah. Don't tell me. How dare you? Not you. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Not anybody. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't don't start telling me what you think I should do. Yeah. I love I'll that. I'll decide that. I, I love that attitude. Because I'm not going to tell my I, – like I'm raising my daughters to know that they can do and be whatever they want to be in this world. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden I start listening to a bunch of strangers saying, oh, well, she should have started in the school board or she should have, you know, should have, should have, should have. Like, please. Yeah. I'm 51. I've got a finite amount of time left here. I'm not going to waste my time. You have a to-do list. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I love that. And I, I don't think I've ever been cut off when asking <laughs> when asking a question before. I was getting all fired up, Mo. I was but getting I'll, fired I'll, up. I'll take that all day. Sorry, that did was... you want to finish your question? No, no. <laughs> I just I want you to know that I wasn't ask I was I wasn't saying that. No, um, I never thought you were. I and but listen. I but I've seen people write you off yeah. already, which I thought was very bizarre because even just from an optics level, ig- ignoring things like how hard you're going to work yeah, or anything of like course. that, right? Or yeah. what Don's going to do, ignoring all that stuff, you're a big candidate in in that writing. You're a, a high profile candidate. So I, I, for me, it was very strange just on that level that you were immediately being. Mm-hmm. Off. So yeah. that that I again, I, yeah, I I like that. I, I still think that's love a great you. Don't worry, Mo. I still love you. <laughs> We're gonna talk about another maybe fiery experience here, but I want to ask you a different question about it. It's about CTV. Mm. You've detailed what happened with your dismissal at CTV in a really great article with. BC business. So right. I don't want to get into the mm-hmm. nitty gritty details about that, but I do want to ask you about resilience. When you were let go by CTV, it was a big surprise. You've talked about the sadness that you experienced afterwards. In addition to that, I mean, you're also a cancer survivor. You've been through lows, but you've always seemed to bounce back and you seem to take on the next challenge. And I will say, and again, people are going to say that I'm fawning over you, (laughs) but you do pay it forward and your track record shows that. Right. What have your personal and professional experiences, specifically talking about the lows, what have they taught you? Mm. I think the most important thing I learned is that we're not alone. And 
when when you were faced with um, a life threatening illness or a child with a disability, mm-hmm. um, you know, losing your livelihood, these are things that are really devastating and scary. And you feel isolated and alone. Like you feel like no one understands you. No one can understand you. Mm-hmm. No one's there to help you. Um, and it's a really scary place. What I discovered, and so in order of those things, you know, Beckett was born in 2007. Uh, he's he's turning 12 this year. And when he was born and we found out he had Down syndrome, it was – my husband and I were terrified. We were – I mean, yeah. I've never – felt such fear uh, because we didn't know anything about Down syndrome. We never had a baby before. So there were all these new things happening to us. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started to reach out, which was immediately, um, and started meeting new people that I'd never crossed paths with before and started meeting their kids and listening to their stories. And I felt so much better. I felt like I had a community around me. Um, the same happened with cancer. Um, I mean, it's, that is definitely the worst thing that's ever happened to me. There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. it because I nearly died and I nearly died in our house on my bed. Um, and it was terrifying, uh, not only for me, but for my entire family and all my friends. Um, and it, that took a long time to heal. And I mean, it's, it's a complicated story because there were so many different things happening, uh, with work and, you know, and I, I was, I had always been so open and how open was I going to be about this? And, and I decided to be completely transparent about it because I had a rare type of cancer and I thought, well, I can't be the only person in British Columbia with this cancer. And so now I know like four other people <laughs> sure, yeah. and, you know, but, mm. but even knowing those, you know, those, that handful of people, mm-hmm. we help each other so much, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and I just had somebody reach out to me yesterday on Instagram messages, um, saying that they were just diagnosed with the same type of cancer I had, which was, um, a gist or a gastrointestinal stromal tumor. Uh, and I'm phoning her later today. She lives here in Vancouver. I have another email from a woman that I don't know who also lives in BC and she has the same type of cancer. And so um, these are people that I don't know. This happens to me every day mm-hmm. with either cancer or Down syndrome or special needs of some sort or, I mean, it it's it happens all the time. And I phone that person. I help that person. I talk to that person. We usually end up becoming friends. And I have this whole community around me of people that I've met through some really um, devastating situations. Mm-hmm. And we have become our own our own, you know, group of people that support each other. So I think that, you know, resilience comes from experiencing pain and discomfort and devastation and and then finding finding your community and that's the hardest part sometimes just asking for help or asking for you know but I think because I've always been so open about it mm-hmm. that a stranger is like the woman that just sent me a message she said I've, I've wanted to reach out to you but I feel so ridiculous because I don't know you but you're right. the only person I know I read an article about you and I having the same type of cancer and I don't know what to do and can you you know can you help me I'm scared yeah and so 
I, I'm lucky in that way that I've I've been public so that people know how to find me. Mm-hmm. And I know that I would have done the same. If somebody, you know, I had known that was public, had a child with Down syndrome, I would have reached out to them for sure as a stranger and just been like, help me, yeah. you know? So I, I think that um, resilience comes from experiencing those things and then you become stronger after it because you become, um, you know, with Down, I'm an expert on Down syndrome, like, I am an expert. Sure. And uh, and every other parent I know that has a child with Down syndrome, they're experts too, because that's what you have to do. You yeah. have to become an expert and a team leader. And so that builds your resilience so that when the next person comes along and, you know, you're being called to the hospital to go and speak to a new mom, you know, somebody from the hospital is calling you and saying, can you come and talk to this new mom? She just had a baby with Down syndrome. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. And these things happen all the time. Yeah. And so, I mean... These aren't the things you tweet about. Yeah. You know, like this is real life. And so, you know, when people say to me, why do you want to get into politics? Why do you want to, like, what makes you think you're experienced? For the last 20 years, I've been prepping myself for politics without even knowing it. Because I am part of a community. And I reach out and I help people. And people reach out to me and they help me. And we, um, we do things not for, you know, I, the things that I do are not to get the order of BC. The things that I do are to make a difference. And mm-hmm. that's all I want to do is make a difference. Yeah. And so, you know, my resilience, it, um, it is something that, you know, I have worked on for a long time, uh, not willingly. It's just something, it's, it's a part of survival, yeah. you know, and it's how, it's how we, we grow and it's how we become more empathetic. It's how we become more understanding and it's how we become good leaders. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and it's, I, I love that, you know, by you being open and again, vulnerable, you've put that out there, you've put your experience out there, you've been transparent and even the person that's reaching out to you, whether it is, you know, an Instagram DM or whatever, even that takes a lot of mm-hmm. vulnerability mm-hmm. to reach out and, you know, what if she doesn't respond? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of, I can see a whole lot of questioning even in, in doing that. Absolutely. But the fact that you're encouraging that and, again, all the work that you have done in the community in, I, I would say, yeah, sure, being a, a role model in, in a lot of these areas is amazing. And mm-hmm. <laughs> again, like I said, politics aside, I I'm, a, I'm a fan. So Well, I just think it's, I, we're humans, right? We're yeah. people. And we, we all have feelings and we, we all like to laugh and we all like life to be good. And mm-hmm. when life isn't good, we have to be there for each other. Absolutely. We really, truly have to be there for each other. Yeah. Is there... Something, and I guess you probably answered this already, but I was just curious, like, is there one particular action that you're particularly glad you took after the CTV dismissal? What do you mean action? Something you did. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe this is it. Hired my lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Not really. Um, <laughs> what? What's some action I took? I was just thinking in the context of, you know, being resilient and, and moving on to the next oh, thing. Oh, well, and, you know, <clears throat> listen, it took me a lot longer to um, to heal from that. So what happened was, is we were, we were let go in April of mm. last year. 
and I turned 50 three weeks later. So it was a super intense time in my life. Sure. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was officially an adult and I just lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to do a lot of uh, I took the summer off and I and I and I did I was, you know, summer mom. There you and go. it was amazing. It yeah. was so good. <laughs> and I saw all my friends and all that sort of stuff. And so I I mean, for me, I think that the the biggest gift I was given after after that was my reconnection with my friends, mm -hmm. my reconnection with um not with my kids so much as with their their extracurricular lives. Right. Because my connection with my kids is there. But it was like now all of a sudden I got I got to go to sports day and all the teacher conferences and I got to go on the field trip and all those things. You were so doing it was really then. Yeah, it was really yeah. special. It was a special time. And I'm still doing a lot of that stuff right now. Um, you know, I joined the pack and uh, I became a class parent and okay, all cool. those things. So it was really great to do all of that. And I think that that all in very small ways, um, helped with my resilience, yeah. you know, and my healing for sure. Now, is there anything that you would have done differently when faced with one of these lows? And I'm not speaking specifically on the CTV dismissal. Mm. Uh, it could be anything, including, you know, yeah, the illness. you know, I do, I do, I do have some regrets and, and I mean, because hindsight is 50, 50. Mm -hmm. So when I was, um, when I was healing from my cancer surgery, it was major surgery because the tumor was in my small intestine. Mm -hmm. And I was in the hospital for quite a while. And um, and then I had to wait for a pathology report and all that sort of stuff. And when I was at home healing, um, I had somebody from my, my former employer uh, would like to come over to my house and continuously ask me when I was going to come back to work. Hmm. And um, and I went back too soon, and yeah. I I have deep regret over that. I also went to back to work too soon after having all three of my kids, yeah. because I felt a, an extreme amount of pressure. So I went back when each of my kids were four months old, and I have deep regret about that hmm. because I I won't get that time back. But at the time, the decision I made, uh, I felt it was the best decision for me to go back to work after four months, and it was I I felt. Anyways, I made the decision I made, and I felt good about it at the time. But now, with everything that's happened, I look back on it, and I do regret it because I know that I can't get those baby-holding days back. Sure. Mm -hmm. Time is finite. Yeah. I'm going to let you go, but I have uh, one question, and it's a doozy oh boy. before I let you go. I have voted liberal my entire life. Mm. But I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure – about this election. I don't think you're being honest. I am being honest. <laughs> you, have, you haven't heard my hot takes on CKNW, clearly. I was, yeah. <laughs> no, um. I haven't been listening, sorry. <laughs> you know, there, there have been things that uh, on a policy level, on a principle level, mm. where I vehemently disagree with the prime minister and have honestly felt let down. That's, that's mm -hmm. me being honest. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, you know, no person or party is going to perfectly fit mm -hmm. my vision for leadership and for where this country should be exactly. But I am open to coming back to the tent because I don't know mm -hmm. wh who I'm going to vote for, who I'm going to support. And I feel like, at least in my group, in my social circles, there are a lot of voters like me who in this election simply do not know. 
So I want your pitch. I don't want the party line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't wanna... have any party lines. I'm, <laughs> I'm new here. I'm the new kid on the block. Well, I want to know if I was, you know, in your riding, mm-hmm. why should I vote for you? And also, why should I vote for the Liberal, the liberal Party of Canada? Mm-hmm. I, can I ask you a question? Please. Absolutely. So when you vote, and I'm always curious about this. I think about this often. Are you, do you vote, are you voting with the leader in mind? Are you voting with the party in mind? Or are you voting with your actual local person in mind? That is a great question. Yeah, it's I know. one that we should all ask ourselves. I know. It's interesting. It's a mix for me. Mm. I would say that a personality or someone that I know or someone I've met and really liked or like what they've done in the community, that will trump everything else. Mm-hmm. So I have... In so the... you're definitely going to vote for me if you were to live in Vancouver. <laughs> <Absolutely. this way. laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. Uh, but, yeah. but, but I would just say, like, I've been in, not on, a fe- not on the federal level, but in other elections, mm. I have voted for the personality, even though I really didn't like the mm. party. It is interesting. I agree with you, though. I, I think for me, it's always like a mix, mm-hmm. unless there's something really obvious that's, you know. Uh, but it, I ask people that all the time because I'm always curious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you exactly voting for? I mean, for me... Why I why I what was the question again? Why you should vote liberal? Because you're on the fence. Why I should vote? Well, I'm not. I'm not even on the fence. I just don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm, well, in, listen, I'm in outer space. First almost. of all, it's a long ways away. Yeah. So they say. Um, and the other thing is, uh, so you have lots of time to uh, mull it over. To mull it over. But I mean, I listen. I, we're in good shape. We talked about this earlier. Our country is in good shape right now. Mm-hmm. We have more jobs than we've ever had. Um, our economy is doing well. Um, you know, we're taking uh, direct action on on climate change and all of those things. And that's not even the party line. Um, so I would say to you that we are we are doing really, really well and we need to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we did say this just a few minutes ago, right? Or I did. And we need to keep going in the right direction. And I think that the Liberal Party is going in the right direction when it comes to all of the main things that we're worried about. They're pouring money into affordable housing. Um, and uh, those are things that we uh, were deeply concerned with, not, not only in Vancouver, but right across the country. It's a mm-hmm. problem across the country. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I would say to you that we are, we're moving in the right direction. And we need to keep moving in the right direction to get it all done. Sure. And just, and just because I want a little extra time, yeah. I'm going to ask you another spicy question. <laughs> so you talked about the party. But what if I'm, you know, some guy in Vancouver Kingsway and yeah. I read this article on Vancouver is Awesome about how uh, you don't have a chance in this election. So why should I vote for you? Well, I mean, listen. I don't know why people would say I don't have a chance. <laughs> First of all, I don't. I really don't. Mm-hmm. To say that somebody's been doing the job for ten years so they should continue to do it is not a good enough reason for somebody to continue doing the job. Um, we need somebody in that community who has a voice at the table, not somebody who has not been doing anything for ten years except for a bunch of private members' bills that aren't going anywhere. And I, I say that with, it's hard. You can't lead when you are not, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. hard. I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm just telling you the truth. And um, and so I think that it's time for a change in Vancouver Kingsway. I think that, you know, f- f- to say that it's, um, you know, 
listen, it wasn't that long ago that people said it was impossible that women would get into politics. It wasn't that long ago when people said that, you know, women would never have the vote. These mm-hmm. were things that were not very long ago. So to all of a sudden, you know, for people to say, oh, she doesn't stand a chance in that riding, I don't think that that's very fair. And, um, you know, I, I intend to prove that, you know, I, I do have... I do have something to offer here. I really do have something to offer. And I think that um, for me uh, and the Liberals and Vancouver Kingsway needs to have an MP that has a seat at the table and has a voice in Ottawa that can make some real change. Well, I appreciate both pitches. Mm. Well, you forced me to pitch. <laughs> you forced me. Can't we end on like a, you know, a, a fun a fun note? What's your What's your favorite 5440 song? Oh, this is here. This is now. Oh, that's a good one. You don't know it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I that's a good it. one. But, but when called on, no, you know called what? on something. No, but you know what? You, you wouldn't know it. Nobody. I bet you nobody knows that one. I The only, like, there's obviously a few that I know, but Since When is one that I love. I Since love, When, yeah. I since love. When is great. Yeah. Um, there's all the obvious ones, but This Is Here, This Is Now is an obscure one, and um I really love it. It's a really, I think it's a really sad, beautiful song. Okay. Yeah. How do people follow you? Oh. How do they contribute to your campaign? How do they get involved? Okay. So uh, my Instagram, my favorite, is at Tamara Taggart. My Twitter is at Tamara Taggart. My email is info at TamaraTaggart.ca if you want to email me. Sure. And... Um, uh, my Facebook is Tamara Lee Taggart. Tamara Lee Taggart. L E E. Okay. And um, and that's it. That's how you get a hold of me. Cool. Well, Tamara, I have to admit, uh, you didn't have to do this interview, but not only did you do it, nothing was off the table for you, which is not always the case with some people. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank this you. Was a, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks, Mo. Best of luck on the campaign trail Thanks. as well. Ladies and gentlemen, she wants to be your MP for Vancouver Kingsway, the icon, the advocate, the community leader. She is Tamara Taggart, and I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>